0: This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known.
1: Can I ask you please to take out the leaflet that you were given as you came in? Uh, you'll see inside um, an outline of today's talk and also all of John chapter 1 verses 1 through 18, the passage that was read, you'll find printed there in front of you, so it'll be useful to have that in open as we begin this new series that's going to start us off in this term on John in the book of signs. You'll see there are point one kicking off, I should say 2023, sorry about that, bad typo. Um, One month in, I wonder how you're feeling about this year ahead. Are you looking forward to something this year? Uh, Maybe starting work or finally retiring? Maybe a new friendship or rekindling an old one? Perhaps you're looking forward to a holiday to embark on or a home project to finally bring to completion? As you think about the year ahead, what are you dreading? Maybe something hard, or something painful or anxiety-inducing? Or maybe, as you think about 2023, you're just somewhat ambivalent. You're neither here nor there. It feels like it's the same old, same old, nothing particularly new or interesting. In fact, when asked, what are you up to this year, your reply might simply be, eh, no plans. Well, as we kick off 2023, I want to say those are good questions for us to be asking because new beginnings always bring the opportunity to take stock and to consider what lies before us. And yet, John's Gospel opens with something even more significant. He doesn't just ask, where are we today and what's coming next? Rather, he shows us how our lives, our hopes, our dreams are painted on a much broader canvas with far wider horizons. John takes us right back to the very creation of the world, to the beginning of all things, not just the beginning of 2023. John chapter 1, verse 1, there on your handout, in the beginning. But what we're going to see in the Book of Signs is that with the coming of Jesus, something new has happened, something extraordinary and decisive, something world-changing and universe-altering, something that means everything is different, and nothing will ever be the same again. Jesus means that we've moved on from the beginning, and neither are we still in the middle, rather, we are in the end game. We are in the final days, because Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and if you believe in His name, you will have eternal life. Look at the stirring conclusion to John's account, printed there on your handout. These are the last two verses from John chapter 20. Verse 30, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of His disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. What God has now done in Jesus, what He is still doing, what He is driving to its inevitable conclusion, is so magnificent that for most of chapter 1, John gets caught up in the wonder and spectacle of who this Jesus is and what he is like and why he is worthy of every aspect of our lives. So, point two on your handout, five wonderful images to describe Jesus. What I'm going to do this morning is just walk through the five wonderful images that describe Jesus in John chapter 1. And after I've done so, you'll see at the very end, there's a discussion question. I'm going to invite you just to turn to the person next to you and for a couple of moments to share which of these means the most to you and why. I'm just going to highlight each image and then reflect briefly on who is this particular image for? Who does it resonate with especially? So you'll see there, number one, Jesus is the Word of God. Jesus is the Word of God. Read with me in verses 1 and 2, printed there on your handout. John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning was the Word... And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Well, let me start by acknowledging that sometimes the terminology can be a little bit confusing. Uh, I've written this for you on your handout. Sometimes in the Bible, the phrase, Word of God, means the Bible, and sometimes it refers to Jesus. Well, in John chapter 1, verse 1, John is referring to Jesus. And he's saying that Jesus is not just another little G God, he is saying that Jesus is the God himself. So, verse 1, the Word was God. Although, to slightly complicate matters, John also says there, the Word was with God. That is, God is more than just Jesus. And if that doesn't blow your mind, well, verse 14 will even speak of God the Father. Now, we're going to come back to explore this relationship between God the Father and God the Son in later chapters, but for now, I'd just like to focus on one implication of Jesus being called the Word of God. In calling Him the Word of God, John is telling us that when Jesus speaks, we hear the very voice of God Himself. When Jesus speaks, we hear the very voice of God Himself. Well, as you know at the moment, uh, in our country, there is a very important discussion taking place about giving voice to those who have not been heard previously. And without weighing into that particular debate today, I want to say that John 1 tells us that God Himself has spoken through Christ Jesus. And so, to put it mildly, have we been listening to Him? You see, if Jesus is the Word of God, it means that God has not been silent. And even if He doesn't always answer our questions in the way in which we'd like or with the timing that we'd prefer, still, if Jesus is the Word of God, we can be 100% confident that God will never give us the silent treatment when when we come to Him with our concerns. Not if He's gone to such extraordinary lengths to make Himself heard in the first place. If Jesus is the Word of God, well, this image, I think, is for anyone who's ever wanted answers from God. And the promise and the assurance from John chapter 1 is that Jesus, the Word of God who was with God and who was God from the very beginning, He speaks. So come and listen to His beautiful voice. Isn't that wonderful? And that's the reason, actually, why we're kicking off 2023, by just working our way through John's account of Jesus' life, line by line, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We're doing it so that as we meet Him and as we believe, we, like billions before us, will have eternal life in His name. So, first image, Jesus is the Word of God. Second image, point two, Jesus is the maker of all things, the maker of all things. Pick it up in verse 3, John chapter 1, verse 3, there on your handout. Through him all things were made, without him nothing was made that has been made. Uh, What John does next is reaffirm that Jesus, the Word who was God, well, he is also the one who made all things. And the making of all things, obviously, is the prerogative of the Creator. This, I think, is a deliberate allusion to God creating simply by speaking. If we go back to the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, I've printed it there for you on your handout. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Verse 3, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. God creates by speaking. And the thing is, although Jesus of Nazareth wasn't born until, well, 2023 years ago, the eternal Word of God, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, he was there at the very beginning of all things, at the making of all things. And that's the reason why in the Apostles' Creed we say we believe in God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, but we also acknowledge God the Son as our creator. Because he has inherent authority as God, not just delegated or derivative honour. Well, if Jesus is the maker of all things, uh, this image is for anyone who wants to have life, anyone who wants to have life, both now and into eternity. Because the only way in which you can ever have life is by being connected to the source of all life, the one who gives life. It's a very simple illustration, but think, if you will, of a phone that needs to be charged or else eventually it, what do we say, it dies. It's an unusual phrase, isn't it? That's what we say when our phone batteries have run out. We say that it has died because it's no longer connected to life. Jesus, we're told, he is the maker of all things. And so the third image there, near the bottom left-hand side, Jesus is... Light in darkness. Jesus is light in darkness. Verses 4 through 8. Pick it up with me. John chapter 1, verse 4. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Uh, This third image describing who Jesus is, he is light in darkness. Now, uh, at this point, I'm going to confess that I spent a little bit too long this week on the internet uh, relearning something from year nine biology. And that's the very fascinating topic of photosynthesis. Now, who's excited about photosynthesis? Photosynthesis, in case you've forgotten, like I had, uh, this is the incredible way that plants take water, carbon dioxide and sunlight and turn it into energy to sustain life on planet Earth. It's kind of odd, you know. It's a process that's so crucial to our very existence, it's amazing that we take it for granted and don't stop and marvel at it more often. My point? Well, just as plants can't grow without light, so when John calls Jesus the light of all mankind he's emphasising the futility of seeking life without God. It's just like in verse 3, when he said that through him all things were made, without him nothing was made that has been made. Jesus is light in darkness. And this, I think, is an image for anyone who's ever been lost in the dark. Anyone who's been stumbling around, uncertain which way to go, what direction to take. John is telling us, Jesus is the light of the world. So what you need to do is just take one step forward, towards Him. Because He is shining in the darkness, and the darkness will never overcome Him. Now, you might have noticed there that the light, the coming of the light, was no great surprise. And verses 6 through 8, in the middle part of that passage... John says that Jesus was eagerly anticipated, long expected, heralded and proclaimed in advance by a witness. Now, once again, to avoid confusion, the witness here, um, this is not John the author of this account, this is actually John the Baptist, and we're going to see more of him next week. But for now, what we're being told is that believing in Jesus always leads to witnessing or testifying about Jesus. Believing in Jesus always leads to witnessing or testifying about Jesus. You might say, it's impossible to remain silent about something or someone so wonderful. Fourth image, other side of the page. Jesus is the Father's adoption agent. Jesus is the Father's adoption agent. Come with me to John chapter 1 verses 9 through 13. In our country, we talk a lot about rights. We talk a lot about the protection of rights, the right to self-expression, the right to self-identification, the right to self-advancement. Those are wonderful things to uphold. But see what Jesus brings according to verse 12. To all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God the right to become children of God. Jesus secures for us the right to call God our Father. This, I think, is a particularly powerful image. All of us have heard those heartbreaking, gut-wrenching stories of children languishing in orphanages, dreaming of a new family coming for them. John is saying that no less than Jesus, Jesus, the Word of God, the Maker of all things, the light in darkness, Jesus is the one out scouring the countryside, searching every inn and lane and byway to bring us into God's family. Jesus is the Father's adoption agent. No wonder John will write in a letter that he sends to some Christians after he's finished this book, chapter 1, verse 3 of 1 John, printed there on your handout. No wonder he'll say, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. I want to say that if Jesus is the Father's adoption agent, well, this is an image for anyone, anyone who has ever felt the inadequacy of our human parents. For anyone who's ever experienced the pain of alienation or ostracism or loneliness, this is an image for anyone who has just longed to belong, wanted to be safe and secure. To you, I am saying, Jesus, God's firstborn Son, has come to you to bring you into God's family And you never need doubt Him, because the reason He's doing it is because of God's love for you. No matter what you've done before, no matter how you're living right now, no matter what you might do or fail to do in the future, He loves you, and that's why He's come for you. Verse 13 highlights the importance of God's work for us, as opposed to anything that we might do for Him to somehow earn His favour. You notice there in verse 13, speaks of the right to become children of God that's so much better than being born of natural descent, as if you just happened to grow up in a church-going family. It's better than being the result of a human decision or a husband's will, as if somehow we could or need to choose to become believers. John is saying that being born of God means being adopted by God at His initiative. And in fact, in chapter 3, Jesus will confirm that metaphor when He speaks of the importance of being born again. Oftentimes, we talk about people who are early adopters or people who are late adopters. That's particularly when you're referring to technology and people who like to get the newest things as quickly as possible. John is saying that our Father is a universal adopter. Which means that if I were to ask you today to please put up your hand if you have been adopted, then if you're a Christian, your answer is, I have been. I have been. So go on, put your hand up if you're a Christian You have been adopted by God through His Son. You put your hand up proudly and joyfully, and as a person who is overflowing with thankfulness. Having said that, this amazing promise does hold one important qualification. You might have noticed it there in verses 10 and 11. Here's the qualification adoption is only for those who receive him who believe in his name adoption is not for those who will not the right to become god's child it is universally available to all but sadly not it will not be universally received verse 11 he came to his own but his own did not receive him Now actually one of the things that it reminds us at this point is that sin sin is not just breaking a legal code fundamentally sin is rejecting a person sin is not recognizing jesus not receiving him not being adopted into god's family myself i don't know why anyone would prefer to live in darkness or why they would refuse to be recharged by the source of life or why they would choose an orphanage over a new family But I do know that if they do, they are the ones who are missing out. Jesus is the Word of God, the Maker of all things, light in darkness, the Father's adoption agent. Fifthly and finally then, Jesus is God-revealer. Jesus is God-revealer. Verses 14 through 18. The Word became flesh, made His dwelling amongst us, We've seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning Him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is Himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made Him known. Jesus is God-revealer. Jesus is the one who reveals God. This final image is repeated, actually, in verses 14 and 18. John is declaring that Jesus is the one who makes God known. So, for example, verse 14, the Word became flesh and his, made His dwelling amongst us. When we see Jesus in His glory, He who was with God and He who was God, we see Christ in all His majesty. And likewise, in verse 18, God's one and only Son has made God known. We all realize that knowing God is not just knowing things about God, it's actually knowing God Himself. We all realize you can't fully know someone until you meet them in the person. We say, until you meet them in the flesh. Last three years have taught us that online interactions are no substitute for face-to-face. So, in Jesus, the Word become flesh, we see God revealed in all His fullness and all His splendour. Now, we're going to return to the question of how you and I can actually see Jesus when He's no longer physically present. But for now, if Jesus is God-revealer... This is an image for anyone who's longed to know what God is really like. Maybe it's because you didn't know where to look. Maybe you've got a complaint you want to bring to His attention. Maybe you just want to be really, really sure of what He is like. Well, the way in which you meet God is that you come and meet Jesus. And if you're willing to try, what you will find in Jesus, according to John chapter 1, are two of the most important qualities two of the most important characteristics of god and what god is like they're repeated actually in verses 14 and 17 for emphasis in jesus we see god's grace and god's truth god's grace and god's truth (coughs) grace we see mercy we see forgiveness and a fresh start And truth, where we see God's righteousness. We see the goodness of rightness. And we see the justice that all of us crave. What verse 16 and 17 are saying is that both of those things, grace and truth, they were evident before Jesus, but only partially, in a limited way. Now, they're in full display in Jesus Christ. Grace and truth. And I guess I just want to point out that grace and truth, it seems to me, are two of the most sought-after commodities in our world. But they are some of the hardest to find. Fear not. You find them all in Jesus Christ. So, five wonderful images to describe what Jesus is like. Here's what I'd like you to do for two minutes... With the person next to you, you'll see the discussion question at the bottom. It's pretty straightforward. Which of these five wonderful images of Jesus means the most to you, and why? Just share with the person next to you, and then we'll come back and I'll wrap up for us. Well, thank you very much for taking your time just to share with the person next to you. Uh, You'll be able to continue those conversations afterwards, I urge you to, in the yard. Uh, Look with me at the very bottom of your handout, let me wrap this up, point three, witnessing and testifying. Uh, I asked you to share with the person next to you which of these five wonderful images means the most to you, but actually the more important question I think is, who might you share this news with? I ask that because whenever someone meets Jesus Jesus and believes in Him, they start telling others. John the Baptist, for example, we met him in verse 7, he believed and he testified verbally so that others might believe. Likewise, John the author, he believed and he testified in writing so that others, like us, might come to know who Jesus is. More important, I think, even, than which of these images means the most to you is, who might you share this with? Uh, At the beginning of a new year, I want to say this is what sets our ministry priorities and plans. This is what we're going to be on about. Because actually, this is what we've always been on about. Every year, every year since we were planted as the pioneer church in the Colony, Since 1836, we've been helping people in our city, our state, our country and our world meet Jesus. Jesus, the Word of God, the maker of all things, light in darkness, our Father's adoption agent and the one who makes God fully known. I want to say that even with all the uncertainties that face us in this year ahead, uncertainties like the cyber redevelopment, we'll keep doing this. Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's both deeply reassuring and blissfully simplifying. You see, all we have to do, in fact, all we want to do, is talk about Him and how wonderful He is, so that people might meet Him and believe in Him and gain eternal life in His name like we have. I mean, really... Is there anything better we could bring to our city in this year ahead? Can I say that if you don't know these things about Jesus, then we would love to share more of them with you. You'll see on the screen behind me a slide that just talks about two different opportunities that we provide here at our church. One is called Explore. Um, Explore is a four-week course that we run throughout the year It's an opportunity for you to gather with others, to ask any question you might have, but equally just to listen to the questions that others are bringing as you try and work out who this Jesus is and whether He's worthy or not. Likewise, this year what we're encouraging people to do is to consider just reading through John's account of Jesus' life. It's only 20 chapters long. Uh, We have a little resource called The Word One-to-One. And if you'd like to read through Jesus' biography to see what He was like and what He did, we would love to do that with you you just uh, indicate on the communication slip or come and speak with one of the staff or talk to the person who brought you i know that they'd love for you to meet jesus just as they already know who he is can i say that if you do already know these things about jesus then one last time believing always leads to testifying so who might you share this great news with in this year ahead Who might you read John one-to-one with? I reckon the starting point is to pray for opportunities, to ask God to make it possible for us to be able to do that. And my feeling is that I reckon that's the kind of prayer that God loves to answer because He wants people to meet His Son. That's why He sent Him in the first place. So why don't I pray that right now? Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you've done for us in the Lord Jesus. We thank you for his death, his life, his death, his resurrection and the promise of his return. We ask that you might give us in this year ahead opportunities not just to marvel once again at how wonderful Jesus is, but opportunities to share that good news with those around us, that they too might believe and have eternal life in his name. And we pray for Jesus' sake. Amen.